Johnson & Johnson Vision, supporting excellence in patient care. Hi, and welcome to the Johnson & Johnson Vision podcast, a series of conversations to enable eye care professionals to reflect on their practice and ensure they continue to provide excellence in patient care. I'm Dr. Rachel Hiscox, Optometrist and Professional Education Development Manager for Johnson & Johnson Vision, UK and Ireland. You can gain one CPD point by listening to this podcast and completing the exercise on the jnjvisionpro.co.uk website. In this first podcast, Dr. Catherine Evans addresses the topic of presbyopia with the help of two patients, Jeanette and Stephen, and with Faye McDermott, an independent practitioner based in the north of England. Hi everyone, I'm Dr Catherine Evans, a senior lecturer at the School of Optometry and Vision Sciences at Cardiff University. I'm an optometrist with over 20 years of clinical experience and I have a teaching and research interest in contact lenses. The road to success with multifocal contact lenses starts with good communication, so that's what we'll be focusing on today. First, I'd like to welcome Jeanette and Stephen to share their recent experiences when they attended an eye examination. Please, can I invite each of you to tell us a little bit about yourselves? My name is Jeanette Williams. I work in a hospital environment where my role is mainly office-based, but obviously incorporates use of computers and laptops. And also I attend many meetings, which involves paperwork and presentations, up until this presbyopia, I was fortunate with my eyesight having what I class as perfect 2020 vision all my life until a couple of years ago that completely changed. Hi, my name is um, Stephen Fung. I'm a translator and a copywriter. And as you can imagine, that also involves a lot of intensive reading and a lot of time in front of the screen. I've been myopic since the age of 14, I think. So eyesight issues are not um, a new thing to me. However, presbyopia is um, relatively new to me as an experience. I started off wearing glasses at first. And then at the age of 19, I converted to contact lens. I'm only, mainly wearing contact lenses outdoors and glasses indoors to give my eyes a rest. Wonderful. Thank you both. Jeanette, when did you first notice your eyesight was deteriorating and, and how did that make you feel? Yes, for me, I think I was in denial for about six months before I finally accepted that, OK, this really could be my eyesight has been affected. I noticed I was always making excuses with the lighting being poor, um, text on instructional labels is suddenly going smaller. I noticed I was using my mobile phone a lot to take photos of text to be able to zoom in and read them. So for me, it was not really knowing if it was my sight deteriorating. To be honest, it was a bit of a, an unknown entity. Absolutely. Jeanette, what did you do about it? What was your next step? I realised I did really need to make an appointment with the opticians. Um, I was recommended an optician by many colleagues saying how great this optician was. And if I go there, it would be a really good experience because, 
for me, I know that going to an optician is working in a hospital environment. It's not necessarily just about your eyesight. So much can be told from an eye test. So part of me knew a little bit too much where an eye test perhaps could involve. But I did make an appointment to see the optometrist and that happened in the matter of a couple of weeks. Okay. And how did the optometrist explain what was happening and, and why your vision had deteriorated? The optometrist for me gave me a thorough eye examination in what I thought was a thorough eye examination being my first one. And I felt very optimistic or, or, you know, glad that I'd gone to our appointment. But I felt like when I had actually gone through all the tests, there was very little reassurance. There was no clear direction of why this has suddenly happened to me. The optometrist just advised that my eyesight had deteriorated where I probably had gone from really good vision to now reading glasses would be of benefit to me. I felt like I didn't have a clear explanation about anything and why my eyesight had suddenly deteriorated or that, yes, this is a very common thing. Yeah. And as you said, you didn't have much experience or, or any experience of going to, to the opticians previously. So it sounds no. like there were lots of assumptions. And, and as you said, look, not a lot of, of reassurance that this is a, a normal process. Exactly. And I think that's what lacked definitely in that appointment, really, was reassurance. This was normal. Thank you for, for sharing your experiences there, Jeanette. Stephen, could you please explain when you first noticed your eyesight was changing and and how it made you feel as well? Well, for me, it was a gradual rather than a sudden or abrupt change because unlike Janet, I've always had this myopia issue. One of the first things I noticed was about five years ago during a trip to Berlin, I found myself struggling to read my ticket and boarding pass, details on my phone, and even my emails. So I, at the time, I, th- I thought I felt really a bit confused and slightly anxious and uncertain. It was at the airport, after all. I mean, I, it wasn't completely illegible, but it was just a lot harder than it was previously. So my first instinct was, OK, so maybe I just needed an upgrade on my prescription. But there were other incidents after that, which kind of confirmed that there was definitely something amiss. So I I began to feel that my contact lenses were becoming quite restrictive and then starting to need glasses more and more. Yeah, so it sounds like it was impacting so many different aspects of, of your life. Stephen, compared to Jeanette's experience, how did the optometrist describe the process of presbyopia and particularly in relation to your pre-existing myopia? You see, the problem with uh, my optometrist um, appointments is that typically they feel very much like a conveyor belt process. They'll ask very generic questions and then naturally you'll, you'll give a very generic response like, yes, you know, thinking back, I think I was kind of too kind of um, restricted by the process that I couldn't really specify the, the exact issue. Yeah, so it sounds like there wasn't much opportunity for you to explain how it impacted on you and, and how you were feeling. And, and it sounds like the, the process altogether wasn't particularly personalised. 
it felt very much like they were reading, for, like following a script almost. So it was just kind of very production line kind of sensation about the whole thing. Jeanette, do you mind if we come back to you now? Obviously, unlike Stephen, you hadn't worn glasses before. So how did you feel after your eye examination about wearing glasses? So the perception that I had always had is if you saw somebody in work that you'd known for many years but to suddenly start seeing them wear glasses, oh, they are getting older or their eyesight is deteriorating. And that was sadly my perception for many years. So all of a sudden I was thrown into this this same environment where I was now at this crossroads where I needed glasses myself. I feel the trouble with reading glasses and being offered reading glasses by the optometrist. You are permanently either got your glasses to wear to do the work but when you speak to somebody you're putting your glasses on the top of your head when you leave an office to go to another meeting you've got to remember to take your glasses but you've left your glasses behind I felt the glasses weren't necessarily a good option for me in a working environment I think it was to sum it up it was both an emotional and a cumbersome experience I had to adapt to in my everyday life I think that's a really good description, actually. And I think as optometrists, we forget how how life changing it can be and the impact that it has on you and the change that this this makes to your life. Definitely. Yeah. Are there um, perhaps specific places or times that that you didn't want to wear glasses or even times and places that, that you were happy to wear glasses? I know around the house it I felt comfortable wearing glasses because I was amongst my family members but for me I think the negative aspects was wearing them in the office environment or going into meetings and you know if I'd have to get up and do a presentation or discuss or stand up in front of people and having to put a pair of glasses on was more intimidating or a bit overwhelming to me than actually discussing what I needed to within that meeting or course or environment. So when I think outside, I could deal with wearing glasses, but inside in the working environment, that's where it was my biggest challenge. Yeah, and you described it a moment ago as as cumbersome, and it, it, and it just sounds altogether just really inconvenient, yeah. Definitely. Stephen, you've obviously been wearing contact lenses for some time. Uh, do you feel that they're still working for you? No, I'm starting to feel that they are now becoming rather restrictive in terms of what I can and cannot do, especially when I'm out and about, which is when I wear, precisely when I wear them. Because I t- um, previously, I tend to just wear glasses at home. And when I'm out and about, I like to wear contact lenses. And one of the things that I used to really love about contact lenses was for me, they were practically second eyes. Um, They they could do everything in terms of eyesight improvement that glasses could without the inconvenience of glasses, such as them fogging up or, you know, such as accidentally forgetting or dropping your glasses somewhere. So I felt contact lenses were much more flexible I also didn't like the way I looked with glasses on. So it wasn't, you know, for me, I felt more confident going out out and about in glasses. 
doing outdoor stuff, running, exercise, going to the gym, and, and it's, it's just so, everything is, was so much better with contact lenses until I had this issue with presbyopia. And now I'm finding that I'm, it's, you know, like the flexibility of contact lenses is no longer there. You know, I can't imagine going back to wearing glasses all the time. You know, the, the thought just depresses me, actually. Absolutely. And as, as you've just described, that that lack of freedom and the loss of the, the positives that, that you had with contact lenses. I wonder if I could ask you if there was one tip that you could share with optometrists about how your experience could be improved, what would it be? I think the optician needs to fully inform the the customer really over the diagnosis. If this is the first time that a person could go into their optometrist and be diagnosed with this, and I think they should take into consideration of fully informing that patient with them at that point on their diagnosis, reassuring them that this is a normal process and also to offer all options that are available to them, not just assume a particular pathway is needed on a diagnosis. They should consider the lifestyle of that person. I would just say, do not be afraid to stray from your script or process. If you feel that your patient's symptoms require a more tailored and individual approach, I think you should be examining all possibilities, asking more specific questions that are perhaps not in your normal routine or process. Brilliant. And for both of you, the optometrist didn't suggest contact lenses to correct for your presbyopia or or any other options that were available? Not at first. I felt that if I didn't mention my um, symptoms very specifically, it wouldn't even have been mentioned or even less um, the the, uh, the fact that there are multifocal lenses now that are available. I was already aware of very focal glasses, but I wasn't aware of multifocal lenses. Uh, For myself, I think the irony was, is when I was waiting in the reception area for my appointment, right front of me was a poster saying, have you considered contact lenses? So I felt quite, oh, positive in a way, going to my appointment thinking, okay, this could be really what I need if I do need the use of of reading glasses or contact lenses. For me and work, contact lenses was the, the answer. Only being offered reading glasses, I didn't realize that there were even contact lenses for my prescription or for what I've been diagnosed as having as presbyopia. Is actually researching myself more about the facts of presbyopia, but more importantly, realizing the world's contact lenses out there for every condition, really, uh, to the point that I did go back to alternative opticians to be prescribed contact lenses. Okay. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it, that that it was a, a different optometrist that you then went to uh, to seek more advice from? Definitely for confidence. I felt let down, to be honest. Jenna and Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your personal experiences. I think it's really valuable to consider things from the patient's perspective and understand how something so normal to us as practitioners impacts on your life and and how it affects everything that you do and how important it is that we offer a personalised and individual experience. Again, thank you for your insight and your tips it's been really valuable 
Thank you. Thank you. Having listened to the experience of Jeanette and Steve, I'd like to now introduce Faye, a fellow optometrist, to share her experiences of communicating with presbyopic patients. Faye, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Kat. I'm Faye and I'm an optometrist. I'm from the northeast of England. I have an independent practice, which I'm a co-owner of. I'm most passionate about being in the consulting room. Um, I love fitting contact lenses. Listening to Stephen, I'm a myop and I could empathise so much with him that I first started wearing contact lenses as a geeky teenager so I could do better in sport. And that sticks with me. I don't really enjoy wearing glasses and that stays with me when I am making recommendations to any of the patients that I see. Fantastic. It was interesting hearing about the experiences and and the lack of reassurance and and, and empathy that that went along with it. Um, I am a a newly emerging presbyote myself, so I'm starting to learn firsthand about how frustrating it is. And as you're saying, it seems as though that's quite key to, to understanding how our patients feel and how it impacts on their lives. As a clinician in a consulting room, presbyopia to us is the need of a reading ad. But our patients are real people with real lives, real hobbies, real interests, stuff that they love to do. And it's not just needing a reading ad to them. It is struggling, like Jeanette said, with a a confidence at work, feeling older, worrying, is there something else wrong? With Stephen, why aren't my contact lenses working anymore? I love this. I love the freedom. What's going on? And it's difficult. and And I totally get that for an optometrist in a busy clinic, when they see somebody who is in their 40s with problems reading, they know what the answer is. They know what the solution is likely to be. But it's so important to take that time to listen. Communication, as much as it is speaking, it is listening as well. And finding out what is it that's the priority, what's on their mind about their vision and how their eyes are changing, what impact does that have on their life so you can make the appropriate recommendation. And take time to reassure, as both Jeanette and Stephen touched on, that this is normal. And while it's normal, it doesn't stop it being any less annoying. But there are things that that we can do to help and make sure they have the right visual solution for the right task for them. Faye, how do you describe the process of presbyopia to your patients? I think there's a few different things that I do, depending on what type of presbyopic patient we've got. And we had both Jeanette and Stephen examples of two different types. Jeanette is what I like to class as previously perfect, quite jealous of her, really. She's lived her whole life to this point without needing any vision correction, enjoyed great vision, and now suddenly it's different. And that's a lot to come to terms with. It's life changing for her. She's gone from being able to see to suddenly she needs some glasses on. So that takes a lot more listening to what the challenges are reassuring that it is normal it's it's not a problem with with our health it is a unfortunately the more birthdays we collect the more and more our near point becomes but some people do like a bit more scientific explanation too for Stephen he's a long-term lens lover like me the main thing he wants to hear is you can still keep wearing your contact lenses we're just going to need to change things a little bit to help make it a bit easier for you that's fantastic. Again, you're sort of reiterating the importance of a of a personalised, bespoke explanation for, for all of our different patients. Faye, 
In your practice, what treatment options do you offer to patients with presbyopia and, and why? I like to give my patients all the options, which I'll tailor depending on what I've learned about them and their lifestyle. I try to give all the patients three options, a spectacle recommendation, a non-spectacle recommendation or a spectacle-free recommendation, and also mention the possibility of surgery if it is something that is of interest. As Jeanette said, it, it really is our duty to do that. that. That is what we are required to do. And it helps just put those options in the open. I do discuss the differences between them. I like to talk about pros and differences because what's a con for someone and what's a con about glasses for one person might just be what makes it work for another. And it's about choice and that while I'm wearing my contact lenses today, I may choose to wear my glasses another day because I'm doing something that my vision is suited better to or I'm just bumming around at home on a weekend and I'm not bothered what I look like so I'll just wear my glasses. So it is about having the right solution at the right time depending on what you're doing. Absolutely it's so important to to discuss options isn't it and I think almost to reassure patients that there probably isn't necessarily one solution that having a number of different options is is great as well and allows that flexibility that life needs. I'm aware that I am lucky as a, a corner of practice and an optometrist that my clinics are set up how I want them so I have time to communicate and get to know people really well but I know that not all working environments have that same luxury and it can be really helpful to allow your patients to tell you what those problems are, even though you know what it likely is when they're of a certain age. But utilise the leaflets. There's a, a college leaflet on presbyopia so that you've got that to say, look, have a little look through this. And if there are any questions or anything you want to discuss further with me, we are here. That is going to make them feel like you care. We can hear from Jeanette. She felt really let down by what happened to her clinically. She was given a, a reading ad and made a recommendation and that's great, but she didn't feel her needs were met. So if we can do that better um, and treat each patient as an individual, then they go away with a more positive experience. Fantastic advice. Faye, you talk passionately about communicating with your patients. Are there any key questions you ask to understand your patients' needs and expectations? One of my favourite questions is, what's on your mind about your vision and your eyes because it's really open and I also like to ask what's a priority for you because that helps me just gauge where we're at what the expectation is and what's really important I'll also like to find out they may do some activity and that could be going to the gym I'd say how are your glasses in the gym and more often than not, and this happens a lot in the area I'm in with runners, and they'll say, oh, I don't run with my glasses on. And I'm thinking, you're minus six. How on earth do you see anything? And I'm thinking, I can help you with that. I don't jump in too early, though. And I think as optometrists, we want to fix things and we want to provide solutions. And as soon as we hear something and think contact lenses would be good, we jump in, but we forget that our patient is a person who doesn't think about contact lenses like we do to them contact lenses might be a bit scary so we hear that information of what might be difficult um, would they like to reduce their reliance on glasses 
who wouldn't like to reduce their reliance on glasses? I definitely would. And then we can use those when we've got all the information about what their prescription needs are and suggest, here's a way that we could enable you to see, but remain glasses free. How do you feel about that? Do you like the sound of that? Can I tell you more about it? Getting permission to engage in that discussion and suggest contact lenses, feel a lens on their fingertips to see how soft and flexible it is, and just realise that there are other options. Brilliant advice. Thank you. And as you said, so much is key about listening to your patients as well. And that's really great about how you've you demonstrated how you, you engage with your patients and, and respond to them as well. One of the challenges of practitioners that we face is managing patient expectations with multifocal contact lenses. Faye, could you share some some tips in that respect? So when I'm talking about multifocal lenses, I like to explain that they allow us to reduce our reliance um, on glasses or remain glasses free for Jeanette but we know any vision solution really doesn't give a hundred percent vision at every distance in every direction all of the time. If we think about how we talk about very focal glasses we're not negative about it we explain how it's great because one pair can do a bit of everything. We explain the benefits of them and how it is more convenient than having different pairs of glasses. You can see everything with with them on. You might need a separate pair of glasses for the computer screen or reading or whatever it is where there's a priority distance. If we explain contact lenses in the same way, it can have much more positive results, which is what I always try to do and explain, well, the contact lens option, just like glasses, allows comfortable balanced vision at all distances throughout the day. Finding where is that priority distance, so we may need to enhance vision at that point to help, but I'm aiming to give them eight out of ten vision across the board, and how does that sound? And then I follow up when I'm doing a fitting or an aftercare by going back to those questions. What's your distance vision out of 10? What's your middle vision out of 10? Where's your near vision out of 10? As that helps us to level that and put a marker on it that we can both get a feeling of. That expectation that I can't make it 10 out of 10 in every distance, in every occasion, in every weather, in every direction. But there isn't really any solution that can do that. But if we're eight out of 10 across the board and there is a distance where we need a 10, here's the other solution that we can do to give you that. And as you said, it's great how you can relate that not only to your fitting process, but you can use those that number scale for your follow ups and your aftercares as well. That's a brilliant example. Faye, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of experience and your key tips for communicating with our presbyopic patients. It's really highlighted to us the importance of listening to our patients, providing them with the opportunity to talk and offering tailored, personalised recommendations. I hope you enjoyed this first podcast in our series. Remember, if you want to gain a CPD point, please go to our website, jnjvisionpro.co.uk and complete the additional exercise. Thank you for listening.